This is a good story. Starting in verse one, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Uh, He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put it out a little bit from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I love that part, and I'll get to it later. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Rabbi Jesus telling the fishermen how to do his job. I like it. So if y'all ever want me to you know, speak in your life about your job, just let me know. And apparently that's something. Anyway, Simon answered, um, dude, you're crazy. Uh, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. (laughs) I like it. So right now, we're in the middle of uh, what's known uh, as the season of Epiphany. Uh, in, on the church calendar. And I think that if you, um, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I think if you thought about it for long enough, uh, you, would, you would come to an understanding, you would know what the season of epiphany is about. So a light bulb would sort of go off in your head and you would have an epiphany about the season of, of epiphany. <laughs> now, during, that's, that's a clue as to what the season of epiphany is about. Anyway, So during the season of Epiphany, the church uh, often looks at stories uh, centered on God revealing himself again to either individuals or his people uh, as a whole. Uh, And whenever God does this, and and we find these stories in the Bible, it always signals that God is going to do something new, or God is going to do something special, or God is going to uh, come and and rescue his people. Uh, Last week, we talked about the story of Jesus sort of beginning his new gig as a wandering rabbi in and around Galilee. Uh, And to begin, uh, he stands up in front of the people uh, in his hometown of Nazareth, and he claims Uh, a portion of scripture, Isaiah 61, the first four verses. He claims that as his identity. So he's sort of revealing who he is and what he's all about. And if you'll remember from last week, uh, those words go like this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He's, He's sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's sort of revealing himself uh, to the people. So it's 
Epiphany. And we also call this the season of Epiphany because not only does God reveal himself in a new way to people, but the people sort of have light bulbs that go off in, in their heads. They have epiphanies. They, have, they begin to understand new things about who God is and what God is trying to do in the world. And they begin to understand that what God is trying to do in the world has certain implications for how we ought to live our lives. Uh, and so God is going to do something new in the world, but God is not going to do it alone. God actually wants to use people. It's like God's preferred mode of operation. God wants to use real people like you and me in order to work out his work in the world. So God calls people. That's what the season of Epiphany is about. A few weeks ago, we talked about the calling of Samuel. Right? This week, we start talking about the, the calling of the first disciples, the first followers of Jesus. And here's how the story goes. Uh, so Jesus was standing beside the lake, and the people were pressing in on him. Right? So their crowd was pressing in on him uh, because they were eager to hear what he was going to say. Uh, and his reputation was sort of gaining steam in and around Galilee. So Jesus notices that there's a couple of boats nearby uh, belonging to two fishermen, one of whom is Simon, whom later he would call Peter. And we get our first clue of that here in this passage, Simon Peter. So it's his boat that he commandeers, and he has Peter push it out into the water a few feet. And then he goes, I love this, and he sits down in the boat and begins to, begins to teach them. Now, if you were here last week, do you remember how I described worship in the synagogue? There was this dramatic moment when everybody stands together, the word of God is paraded in, Jesus reads it, and then what does he do? He sits down in the seat of authority, the Moses seat, while everybody else remains standing, and he preaches his sermon. So here we have Jesus out in the middle of nature recreating what it looks like in the synagogue for the people right? Signaling to them and to us that, oh my goodness, that can be sacred space too. All space is sacred. That was a freebie for you. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about this morning. I just think it's awesome. So anyway, he starts teaching as if he's in the synagogue. And Luke doesn't tell us what he says. He only tells us that when he's done teaching, he goes over to Peter and he's like, hey, let's go fishing, right? Now, at this point, Peter must have been like, what? Like, we've been fishing all night long. We haven't caught a thing. He's on his way home for breakfast and a nap. That's what he wants. But for some reason, uh, he agreed. He agrees to put out into the deep water. He follows Jesus' suggestion. He lowered the nets into the water and OMG. They haul in a humongous catch. Just huge. And so much so that he has to call his friends. You got to help me get all these fish. Both boats were filled so full that they began to sink. So it's just huge. And then Peter says the most amazing thing. First, he falls to his knees down to the level of the fish. And he says the most extraordinary thing. Like I would have said, Jesus, how did you do that? Can you meet me back here tomorrow? And we could do it again. We can make like a lucrative business out of this deal right? That's what I would have said. Peter instead says, oh, depart from me. Go away from me. 
for I am a sinful man. Oh, but, but what does Jesus do? He doesn't go anywhere. He just says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, you used to fish for fish. <laughs> I've got something new for you. Now you're going to fish for people. And then they left everything at the shore and followed him. Left everything behind and followed him. That's the story. And it is so good. Jesus calls people. God calls people. Now, how exactly does that work? Like today, how does that, how does that work? How do we hear it? How do we answer it? Because I don't know anybody who's actually heard the voice of God. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I, I don't know anybody. So how does that work for us? How do, we, how do we know when the voice of God is working in us? And how do we respond to it? Well, I think Peter's experience on the boat on a lake can be sort of instructive for us. I think it says some things to us. And I think the first thing we're going to say this, I'm going to say is the, in order to hear a call and respond to a call from the divine, we need to be connected to the divine. We need to have a certain openness on a regular basis. Now that sounds simple and it sounds really obvious, but when I read this story again, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like he was connected to Jesus before this. So here's Peter and the boys have been out all night trying to catch fish and they came up with a big nothing burger. Nothing. Not a single fish. And then Rabbi Jesus, who apparently doesn't know a thing about fishing, says, put out into deep waters, let down your nets. This did not make any sense at all. They've been out all night. And yet Peter says, the experienced fisherman says to Jesus, okay, because you said so, we'll go for it. Again, this doesn't make sense at all. Why would, why would Peter allow a rabbi who apparently knows nothing about fishing why would he allow Jesus to tell Peter, an experienced fisherman, how to do his job? He's already connected. He's already had an openness there. You see, this wasn't Peter's first experience with Jesus. No. It, in actuality, he's spent a lot of time with Jesus. He's been connected with Jesus for some time. He's allowed Jesus to teach in his church. He's even had Jesus in his home around his table for meals. He spent a significant amount of time with him. In fact, there was one time when Jesus entered into his home, they were about to eat, and his mother-in-law uh, came down with a nasty fever, and he watched as Jesus healed his mother-in-law. He allowed Jesus to enter into his relationship with his mother-in-law. <laughs> what if we did that? That's an interesting question. So, he spent significant time with Jesus, allowed Jesus to enter into his church, sit around his table, even allowed Jesus to go to work with him. Peter was already, Peter was already connected, and it allows him to, to hear a call. So here's the deal. If we want to hear a call from God, if we want to sense a call from God, if we want to be in the position to answer a call from God or a prompting for God from God or a pushing from God, well, there has to be a connection, right? There has to be a, a certain sense of, 
of openness there. Look, if we don't allow Jesus to invade our lives, if we don't allow Jesus to invade our homes, to sit around the table with us, if we don't allow Jesus to to come to work with us, if we don't have an openness there, if we don't have an openness at work, then how are we going to hear? How do we hear a call? How do we sense it? If we're not even asking the question, God, what do you want me to do? How do we hear it? Maybe this is the season where each of us says something like this. You know what? I'm just going to listen more carefully. I'm just going to ask God, what, what do you have for me today? Where do you want me to go? Maybe this is the season where we open ourselves up even more and in an intentional way. And maybe for you that looks like committing to the Bible for a little bit, reading some scripture. Maybe it means entering into a season of, I'm going to be more intentional about prayer. If we're going to hear a call, pay attention. Open ourselves up. Connect ourselves with the divine. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. Trust Jesus to launch us out into deeper waters, even when it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Like, this didn't make sense, Jesus, but trust Jesus enough to go out into deeper waters, even when it doesn't make sense. This is cool. Listen to this. Because they were fishing all night, it suggests that they were using a kind of net uh, that is very specialized. Uh, So this net is, is only used successfully at night. It was big, it was thick, it was heavy. It took two to four people to throw it out and haul it back in. It was woven with heavy linen, which meant that if you let the nets down in the water during the daytime, the fish would be like, huh, there's a net there. I don't want to get in there. And so they swim away, right? So it didn't make any sense at all. So in the middle of the day, when Jesus says, push out into deeper waters. Let's let down the net for a catch. Peter must have thought he was nuts, but he did it. He He trusted Jesus to launch out into deeper waters, and Jesus did something special. Look, sometimes God calls us to places that we never thought we'd go. Have you had this experience? Sometimes God calls us to do things that we never thought we would do or should do or could do, things that don't make any sense to us, things that go against conventional wisdom, against the grain, or maybe even opposite of the way that we always do things. Following Jesus isn't about safety. It's not about comfort. Never has been. Never will be. It's about taking some long shots with faith that okay, God's going to do something special here. Sometimes it takes out of our ordinary actions. Sometimes we need to actually leave room for the divine to show up and do something. Because if we don't leave room, if we're not taking risks, then it's just us doing what we can. Sometimes we need to leave room for the divine to show up and do something. I mean, there's stories about this kind of thing all over the pages of the Bible, all over. 
Think about Abram when he was called. God said, hey, I want you to leave your homeland and go to the land I will show you. He didn't say, go to this land, here's a map. He just said, go to a land I will show you. And he did. He left it and he went. Didn't know where he was going. Think about Noah building a boat. (laughs) That didn't make sense. Think about Mary when the angel came to her and said, hey, God's going to do something special in you. And she said, let it be to me as you have said. Think about Joseph sticking by her side. Think about Peter launching out into deep waters and letting down the net. There's faith there. There's a, there's a leap there. Right? Sometimes God calls us to do things that, that don't make sense to us. Are there any things in your life where you're like, I've been thinking about this, but I don't know. Maybe. Here's the third thing. It takes a certain amount of humility. Doesn't it? It takes a certain amount of humility to hear the call of God. Look at what happens after the big catch. You know, the, the, the fish are in the boat. They're flopping around down there. The boats are sort of heavy. And look at what happens to Peter. And I love this part because he falls down to the level of the fish, right? So he's down there with the fish, almost as if he's become one with the fish, almost as if he feels like, oh my goodness, I have now been caught up in something bigger than myself. And he says, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. In other words, when we, when we wind up taking these leaps and God shows up and shows off and all of a sudden you, we, we stand next to Jesus, we witness his power, we see his glory, we realize what really happened here, we're overwhelmed and we have this feeling of, oh, why in the world would God choose me? I'm not good enough, smart enough, strong enough. I don't have the skills. I don't have the gifts to make this happen, right? I'm not fit for this. And we're overwhelmed. And there's this sense of humility there that, that, that almost leaves you speechless. And then Jesus responds by saying, don't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of here. Now you're going to catch people. I got something new for you. So God's not looking for perfect people. Because perfect people don't exist. He doesn't need flawless human beings because his love is big enough and wide enough to to embrace us all. His power is is much more than enough to transform our meager little efforts into something really special. And some of us have, we've experienced this in life. And when we experience stuff like this, it just, it's like, oh my goodness, that God would choose me, that God would do that through me got one other thing to say. Have courage enough to leave it all behind. (laughs) Leave everything behind. They pulled their boats up to the shore. They left everything, followed him. Have courage enough to leave everything behind. So here's a moment in life where they score a big haul. Like they can take the vacation they've been wanting to take. They work really hard. Uh, They've got this is a whole new venture they could start, but they, Jesus says, you know, come with me, and they, they, leave it, they leave it all behind. 
Of course, this theme is not a new theme, again, in Scripture. You can find this all over, all throughout the Scriptures. Listen, to, see if you recognize these words. Have courage enough to throw off everything that hinders. Do you have things that hinder? Have courage enough to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That's from the book of Hebrews. Have courage enough to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. That's from Mark chapter 8. Have courage enough to lose your life in order to find it. That's the next verse in chapter 8 of Mark's gospel. Have courage enough to be the very last and the servant of all. In Christ, you are a new creation. Have courage enough to, to throw off the old and grasp on to the new. That's 2 Corinthians. For you were once darkness, now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. That's from Ephesians. Make God's call on your life the number one reason you live. Have courage enough to leave everything behind. Sometimes we have to, we have to leave things behind. Old ways of thinking, old ways of doing things because, well, we've just grown. We've matured. We've gotten older. We can leave some things, have courage enough to leave some things behind. And look, it doesn't have to look spectacular. Like it doesn't have to be blow your mind. Oh my goodness. Like at this point, it would be easy for me. And I almost did it. I thought about doing it. Find a really spectacular story about an ordinary person, like leaving everything behind and then doing something really amazing with their life. And then the rest of us sit there and we think to ourselves, well, that's generally not very helpful because there's no way that's going to happen. So it doesn't, God, you don't necessarily have to quit your job and become a wandering spiritual teacher around the streets of Ames in order to make a real big difference. Consider the fact that maybe God's got you right where he wants you. Consider the fact that maybe you've been answering God's call for a really long time now, and now you're right where God wants you to be. Maybe God wants you to be his presence right where you are. Maybe you didn't even know you were answering God's call or were being led by the voice of God for maybe years now, and you're right where God wants you to be. And right now you can ask yourself the question, okay, now why does God have me here? Maybe God wants you to be right where you are to be his presence at wherever it is you work. Maybe God wants you to be right where you are at your home, in school, in the city of Ames, wherever it is you, you live. Maybe you've been hearing God's call, sensing God's call, and you're right where God wants you to be right now. And maybe all you need is a reorientation of your heart. Maybe all you need to do is realize that, oh my goodness, the creator of heaven and earth and everything in between really does call people. And I'm one of those people. God really does want to work through me, through you. Now it's time for me to listen. Now it's time for my antenna to go up. You can leave your life behind without leaving your life behind. You can leave your life behind without quitting your job is what I mean. Maybe God wants you right where you are. And maybe this is the kind of thing that eventually changes the world. Enough people like you and me, just regular people, 
deciding that, yeah, I'm called. Yeah, the divine does want to work through me. Yes, the spirit does live within me. Yes, I do have a sense of intuition about where God is calling me and what God wants me to do. And then we actually follow through with it. Maybe that's the thing that eventually changes the whole world. Look, the only reason we're here today is because a little band of people about 2,000 years ago heard the call, trusted in it, and left everything behind, gave their life to it. Are you connecting with the divine this morning? Are you listening? Will you, will you trust the deep waters? Do you have the, the humble, courageous spirit it takes to, to leave it all behind? Is there a light bulb going on in your head right now? And maybe you're having a hard time discerning. Maybe like there's this thing that you've been thinking. God, maybe God wants me to do this. Or maybe it's in your head right now. God maybe wants me to do this, but I'm not quite sure. There's some people on the shore with another boat, and they'll come out and help you, and they'll be with you. In fact, this room is full of people who will surround you. Just regular people like you, they'll help you. They'll walk with you. Is there a light bulb going on in your head right now? If there's not, ask God for one to go off. Are you hearing a call? If you are, just answer it. Just, just answer it. Allow God to work with you, work through you, work in you. Let's pray. God, thanks for these stories for the time for us to, to get together and remind ourselves that, yeah, you do.